Wayne, it is so good to have you back, buddy. It's a pleasure um, to be back. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, the thing I think we ought to talk about first, and I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Like, you and I just hung out at the Sock F Sporting Clays event. Correct. Um, I don't know what you call that. It was a fundraiser. So, yep. it was so incredible. Like, last year at that event, incredible event in mm-hmm. Georgia, and, and I know you're all into those Sporting Clays. Wayne Sporting Clays Weber. And Sock F. And Sock F. I haven't missed one yet. Well, you're doing better than me. I, I try to I try to donate some stuff every time, but I hadn't made every one. Um, what a fun event. Always. So many of our industry buddies, so many of the military guys that you and I have supported, um, you know, as vendors to them, um, and Dave Kramer and Griff Griffin and Dave Money and all those guys go to that trouble. Jay, last year it raised, I think, one point two million, maybe one Some, million, something oh. like one and a half, something like that. Yeah, and one night auction that is all donated stuff. And again, sock F. If you want to donate some money, feel good about yourself. Those guys still, decade later, take no money. They have no paid employees. And the biggest one of the year last night, or uh, last night, la- yeah, yeah, last night. Um, what am I saying? The biggest one ever was last year. Right. So then this year. More than double it, three million dollars in one night, and like I, I think I said on the other one, it was so good. And there are people with money there. The, the Chick Fil A family, Ross, Kathy, can hardly afford to buy anything. I mean, that was it was amazing, wasn't it? It was. Oh. It really was. Oh yeah, raise that in one night, an auction of stuff that's just donated. And shout out to Lou Goodman, our homie there. Um, you know, from a unit that you and I supported, donated. His service, SR25, that he was allowed to buy when he That's retired, right. yeah. donated to the auction, and it brought a hundred grand or more, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we we gave him. Uh, I think I already told it, but wasn't it so sweet? Like we d- we gave him a fix, surprised him with it. That was custom painted and all. We gave Tom Smith the honey badger last year, so now okay. it's just become an annual thing. We um, so Dave Kramer came to me that morning and said, "Hey, can we give this fix?" So nice. Who painted that thing? Uh, Coats of Anarchy. Our oh. buddy Alex Crespi. He'll, what? Be, he'll be in Africa with us. Oh, he will? Yep. What was uh what was that? It was the paint job. It was a Rhodesian brush stroke, but it was like it was Rhodesian black, basically. So it like multicam black, black but, sort of, Rhodesian. but Rhodesian. Yeah. And the first time I had seen it was uh Kilo Tactical. So first time I saw it was when I got to the event in Open Jaws case. Prettiest paint job I've ever seen. Yeah. It's even better than the desert Rhodesian one that right. I got. Yeah. So anyway, we gave that to him. He started crying. Oh my goodness! Oh, do you remember that? You were there. I I don't. I didn't see the gun up close. I didn't oh, you see did, but, the gun. Well, forget the gun. Did you see Lou cry? <laughs> we gave it to I him. Did. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh my. Oh goodness. man, that that was so. You know, you did something good. You make one of those dudes. And cry. that's what it's about. That's what that event's about. You know. It was what? What'd you take away from that? I, and I tell you, anybody that can get an invite to that event, or you can get there, you are an idiot not to go. Oh yeah, yeah. But so, what were your favorite parts? It's. The, the the dinner always is the uh, the live auction. It's amazing. It's you know from the beginning when the guy does the upside down paintings. Mm. Yeah. Oh, oh my it's singing while it's he singing. does it. Yeah. God, I wish I could even sing like that. Oh my goodness! But every aspect of it, it just to, to see that generosity and everybody support this cause, which is such a worthy cause, is amazing. Yeah, and and people there buy something in a live auction for a hundred grand and turn around and give it back. Correct. And let them auction it again. Yeah. Oh, I want to be that rich one day. Yeah. I'm going to do that stuff by him. 
it's 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 something to see yeah isn't it yeah. i mean it's it's amazing and just some of the stuff that pops up there remember last year part of the blackhawk that they went back a few years ago and got from somalia mm. from blackhawk down yes oh, that's so crazy. they ran a mission to go pick up right. part of that blackhawk that was still there i guess stuck in the ground and they got it and uh they auctioned it off last year was, was caleb there this year uh, i didn't see caleb he's he's all over the world okay caleb man a mystery man yeah. Uh, he might be a cyborg. He's almost like the Elon Musk of he is. of our industry. He was at well, we saw him at Shot when we had we had lunch with Eric Burt and then he went over and met up with Caleb and Caleb had like a little beard going on. He was in disguise. He's man, Caleb is such a character. He is such an incredible person to be in our industry and we're lucky. Mm. And um I love hanging out with him. I didn't see him this year. Yeah. Um cool dude. Yeah. But there were I don't know, there were how many special operations guys this year? It was a lot again. Uh, 40 or 50 yeah something like uh, that 50 or so um and it's cool every year it gets a little more like honoring their wives and families mm-hmm. for the sacrifices that they made you know that was really nice because i mean you know it's all cool and we all honor these guys and they go and do stuff that most of us don't have the balls to go do mm-hmm. but really it's i mean these women that raise the kids and all of these guys are gone yeah. you know for seven out of ten years sure you know i mean during because you know most of the guys that come they were there during the heyday of the war right. so from 01 sure. to 11 you know and we're gone all the time you know like lou and tom uh, lou goodman and tom smith and these guys sure um yeah what a great event oh, i love goodness. that event yeah lou yeah. and i are friends on facebook and he'll like my posts every now and again it's the weirdest feeling because that dude's like captain america and i post <laughs> dumb shit on facebook <laughs> He's a, Lou's a cool guy. A you, cool you know, guy. it is, because that's what I said when I got up there. Like, Lou's one of my heroes. But, like, Lou is truly one of those guys that thinks he didn't do anything special. Mm. You know, and all his teammates are the ones that did special stuff. And right. they just brought him along for the ride. Right. Like, Lou's out of his mind. But, I mean, what a solid dude. Yeah. And that's what I said when I got up there, I think, when I auctioned our stuff off. Or when I gave him that gun. I was like, this dude has two sons and has given this gun to raise money for his brothers. Right. Like, if I was Lou's son, I'd be like, eh, 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 eh. especially that gun too. I know that gun because I said if that thing goes for like first, I was like twenty five grand. I was like, well, if it goes for forty, I'm gonna buy it. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna share it with his son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna give it to him. Yeah, I'll share it, it with him. Yeah, oh it. man, yeah, what a great event. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So is that how you got involved with them when when you were still at H and K? Well. I think I may have mentioned to you my initial involvement. I was at the Shady Pig Roast in Virginia Beach. Oh, yeah, because that's where you are. You're yeah. in Virginia. Yeah. So, we so that's how SOC F started. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Shady. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Brett. That was his name, right? Brett, Brett Shadel. Yeah. Yes. So, oh. yeah, he was Dave Kramer's buddy and was yeah. killed. Mm-hmm. In yeah. a training accident in, yeah. in the Virginia Beach area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we donated a. Uh, I think it was a P30 at the time, just before the VP9 came out, mm-hmm. and we laser engraved uh, Brett's image on the slide that's and cool. donated it. That's, that's cool. cool. I think that's what uh, Dave Kramer said he made the mags. I think that was for correct for him. Yeah, correct. The first like red mags. Yeah, yeah. So he stenciled the ones and did a thing, and they sold out. Well, he told the story on right. here. He stenciled like 200 mags or whatever and raised like 50 grand or yeah. 100 grand. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. And so then it's like, oh, I got something going. And then we lasered the mags for him after that. And I think that's before he even started it officially right. and did a nonprofit. Sure. Um, yeah, that was cool. I had a great time. 
Well, um, man, so you see, I went and dug out, or I tried to dig out in the library some of my HK stuff. Yeah. He asked me to bring my MP7 in. So yeah. I did that. Yeah. What do you think about it? Show everybody how to turn that optic on. <laughs> we don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that, that is such a fun It's a cool show. optic, though. I've not seen it this little Zeiss like that. But It's neat. It's lightweight. It's just incredibly difficult to figure out how to turn on and adjust and stuff. Everything on here is just cool. You know that that exact gun mm -hmm. is um so can you extend that stock do you remember how from yeah. your days of using that in combat yeah, yeah so you're in the first position there and so i think this is the two position one see if it'll extend some more i don't think so oh yeah yeah sorry it's it's my other one <laughs> yeah your other one <laughs> so that one and that might even be the full length of the original one but the original when they came in and that gun in particular, that was one of the first ones. So I got that one from the, the probably from the dudes that were using it um, to make new silencers and stuff for. But the stock was so long on it. I don't know what that's one thing the Germans like that was on a Friday. They were they were having fun. They were probably getting high. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but that thing, if you were not seven feet tall, you could not shoot it in the extended <laughs> position. And so do you remember the first ones only had the full all the way out position? Only one position, correct. And so um, they quickly came out with the one that fits <laughs> like guys under 6'4". Yeah, normal humans. And um, so we, I had the old stock off that when they sent me one to put on my gun. And I had the old stock that only had the original. And just a little piece of trivia here. The original prototype Honey Badger, the Nebeski receiver with the Knight's parts, and then we 3D printed the stock and all that. We used that old stock and cut the rails off, and those were the rails on really? on the original Honey Badger that we demoed for SOCOM and got the contract on. Uh, came from the stock that I took off that gun. Well, do you know why they did the the shorter version of this, the two position? Because Kevin asked them to. Well, that, well, that also, <laughs> but to be able to use it with body and arm. without body armor. Yeah, correct. But the full length—that's the only thing on the gun that ergonomically is screwed up. That gun is so fun yeah um Man, i love it it's my favorite that i own what I don't, a, I don't think everybody's ever approached a, a a system quite like that where if you look at the fold down patridge style sights you can actually bring it up it's got, and shoot it like a pistol yeah with the yeah. patridge sights yeah yeah and then you flip the, them up all right and then you have rifle sights you know that's cool. Did you notice that in all your times of shooting at Jay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When the, when the <laughs> sights are folded down, you still have sights. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what What else do you remember about this? I, when, not, not, not you, Jay. We don't need more bullshit. But I remember, too, when like uh, John Clements was telling me like when he got them all, that he the first thing he did was they cut that front grip off. He just like sawed them off, right. and I think they had a little rail system thing on there. There was a, a vertical, I mean, a, uh, a Picatinny rail under there that you could just put a knight's forearm or any of the... Yeah. Did that become the the A2 or the N or whatever? Was that, the, was the, that was the more current version. Yeah. Uh, oh, they, they had different versions? Yeah. The, well, know. the original uh, that never went in a series production was the MP7. What you have here is the MP7A1 where they made a number of changes to it. Oh. Yeah, did you know that, Jay? Did you know you had an MP7A1? I did, yeah. <laughs> I actually knew it was the A1, but I thought it was probably one of those things where the original, they shipped the original ones? They did not. It never oh. went into series production. But the whole uh, 
the the length of the receiver was slightly longer with the mm. A1. Oh, it was? Correct. So was this designed because of the, I guess, the realization that 9 mil is just not as potent? Is I mean, was it designed specifically to compete with the MP5, or was it you was sh- there a special purpose? You should have listened to our last podcast. Well, I know, Jay. but... It was to penetrate. <laughs> <laughs> we needed some penetration. I don't know they had some Kevlar helmets that we wanted to penetrate <laughs> at 150 meters. And nine oh. millimeter bounces off of it <laughs> like a pebble in the water. Oh, yeah. That's right. That is correct. Yeah, yes. that's what I thought. <laughs> I was just making sure you guys would watch the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see the pistol that they made? The 4.6 four four pistol? Six, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not quite as refined. No, no, it uh, it never quite uh, got to the point of even being considered for serious production. Yeah, just a prototype. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it in the last one where we talk about the gray room and then the green room in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got to see it over there. Did five seven come after four six? Like, did FN just go? Oh, we'll do that too, but bigger. It was prior know? to uh, four, uh, five seven was prior. Oh, to, okay. To four six. Okay. But but it depends on how far you want to go back. Right. The original uh chambering of 4.6 was actually 4.6 by 36. This is a in the yeah. 60s a yeah. system that the a program that HK was working on for the uh-huh. army called the uh, the Spew, Spew program and we had a gun called the HK36 mm-hmm. which looked very similar to a G36 but it was chambered in 4.6 by 36. Was that yeah. No, the Mars program or whatever that thing was, like the Colt little short mag. This much preceded that. This Th- was that was probably in the P90 competition. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. What was this? There was the Colt scamp. All these things have been done before. Did you know? You guys should know because you're both Air Force. Did you know that the Air Force in the 70s did a 300 whisper? No, I actually didn't know that. I it is a, it was it, before my time. It's a, But it's almost like the Colt Mars or the P90. It's a... Um, I'm gonna lie, but I think it's a seven six. It's a seven six two, but I think it's by twenty eight. Mm. But so it goes. We, we when we developed when we commercialized three hundred whisper and started trying to perfect that, and we started doing research. The Air Force had done it in a in a little gun, and it might have. I don't remember. I have to look it up. But it might have been a little weird bull pup, like that little Bushmaster thing or something. Yeah. It was some uh, little yeah. program, probably for pilots or whatever. But I think it was seven six two by twenty eight, where three hundred blackout is seven six two by thirty five. So it's even a little shorter, cooler right. thing. Wow! And that was originally three hundred worse, but that was J D Jones. That was J D yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. SSK Industries yep. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he so should, was he the difference. Done what we did. I, I think we've covered it probably, but the difference or the. Uh, improvement that you made on 300 whisper was it more was it the ogi was it the the chamber like yeah so it was a couple things so it is the shoulder and the throat and we're able to get a little higher pressures but um the primary thing that makes it function was so so, so 300 whisper and 300 blackout is like two two three and five five six right. but then also designing the bullets of the correct ogive so the correct shape so not just using 308 wind mag bullets or 300 you know winchester magnum but the right for that length case the right shape bullet to feed reliably out of a magazine and into uh, m4 without modification mm. so that, that that's the thing you know it's like 
got to have reliability. You got to have quality. Right. Reliability is always number one with the military. And that's really what it took. I mean, he could have done it. He just, you know, it's hard with ammo. You want to own everything, but you got to make it work in a, you know, a stoner. You got to make it work in a bolt gun. You got to do all these other things, you know, um, where I think JD was probably a little more single-minded with it. And and he wanted control and ownership. Yeah. And, you know, we're going through it right now with 8.6. Like, you just don't get to own ammo. You don't, you don't, like, you can own the name, but as soon as, you know, you run it through Sammy, you, you give the right to that right. up. Correct. Um, and if it's not a Sammy-recognized cartridge, then what are you doing? It's just a wildcat, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I want to be like, um, what was his name? Russell, whatever. This. Crow. Yeah, this, the um, the comedy show that was on HBO or whatever. Uh, uh, Russell. And Brand? No, he's known as like the IRS of the rap industry or hip hop. Uh, Russell, Simmons. Russell Simmons. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thanks for coming out. God bless. <laughs> Good night. Every time. <laughs> so that's what yeah. they called him, you know, because he used to uh, like kind of be the gatekeeper of that mm-hmm. and would get a portion of everything. And like he's inspired me. Like I want to be the IRS of ammo, but he's smarter than me. I can't figure it out for that's ammo. A, that's Reverend's brother. That's right. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Run, Run. DMC. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. brother. Which one got shot? Probably. J Master J. Yeah. The DJ. Man. Yeah. Stay off the drugs, kids. Darryl Same McDaniels. thing with the Foo Fighters. Run, like, run. oh, what's his oh, name? Yeah. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Idiot. Like, why don't they learn from like Kurt Cobain and all these other idiots? Like, stop doing the drugs. You're too old. He's 51. Lost That's his family. Crazy. It's wow. just heartbreaking. And Jam Master J, too. I think he was in his early 50s. Has kids, had a family. Bam. I don't think he was even 50 yet. Oh, you don't think? I don't think so. This was, this was like 25 years ago. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he was yeah. shot? Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Thomas, you got to Google this, my man. Jam Master J, when he shot? Because they're, they're speaking of smoking crack, these two. <laughs> Crackheads. Okay, so I said 25 years. Jay yeah, agreed I'm, with I'm you. agreeing with you because I don't think I was old enough to recognize it. 2002. Oh, Jesus. It so was 20 that years long ago. ago? I'll give it to you. I thought it was like, I'm so old. I thought it was like two <laughs> years ago. It's like, yeah, it just happened. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. How old was he? 17. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 38. I'm thinking 35. 35 or 38. No. Oh, it's, uh, it breaks my heart even more. He was born in 65. So he would be. 35, honestly. 36, 37. I said 38. Damn. Damn, that was close. Damn. Big run DMC guy. I've lived uh, 11 years longer than him. I haven't accomplished <laughs> shit. <laughs> I still don't have my first record out. <laughs> oh. All right. Wayne. Yes, sir. So the people love the MP7. What's some other stuff nobody knows about it? Well, the one that should have been. Yeah. Um, uh, like you said, the 4.6. That would have been a great competitor, if you will, to the to the, uh, to the the 5.7. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The, one of the things that I believe prevented that from happening is the gun being produced in the U.S., ammunition being produced in the U.S., because one of the things that prevented the MP7 from being available commercially, whether it was a rifle or a handgun, was the fact that we originally introduced it with armor-piercing ammunition. Oh, so politically... The ammunition... Yeah, yeah, this. Right here. Look at me. Oprah Winfrey, Jay. Here you go. 
Damn. You get some. Here you go. Here's a round. Show the people. Uh, ooh, black bullet. So that you said that's a 26 grain steel core armor piercing. So that's like the original. That was the original loading. Well, that was the, the requirement. That was the second. The first one was actually a spoon nose round. I don't know if that oh, rings a bell. I don't. Well, I don't. That was have a any radius cut in the tip to induce yawing in the target. Yeah. So that's kind of a popular thing now. Yep. Like I see, I see a few companies doing it now. Um, yeah, that's not a bad way to do it. No, if, no. Because you can't make a giant hollow point in that. So and that's is, so. Is that bonded or is there like no? That's steel it, it, core, but is it just all? Is it solid steel? It's some sort of coating. It uh-huh. probably is steel. If I had to guess, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know, Wayne? It's a it's a steel. It is. I believe it is a bonded, a copper jacketed bonded oh. to a steel core, oh. and it just has black paint on it. Big ammo oh. guy. Oh, so it's just to, it's probably just to identify correct the rounds. Yeah, just like the black dot on the box. Mm. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I wonder how fast that's going. They don't give you any ammo, out any of this, info on here. Out of this uh, platform, it's doing about 2,600 feet per second. How long is that barrel? Uh, the barrel is six inches. That's right. That's six. insane. That um, Maybe seven. I think it's about seven inches. That's also right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah that'll poke holes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. so crazy. Like Penetration, that's what they were after. Yeah. But you had so much flexibility with this platform. Again, I can't remember how much in the detail we got last time, but one of the beauty, uh, part of the beauty of this system is a rotating bolt system. Yeah, so it's locked. It's not it's a blowback like that P90. Exactly. So you can run the pressures much higher in this. We mm-hmm. actually had some that used a, uh, a 70 grain projectile out of that gun. You mm. can imagine that. Yeah. Ob- obviously, subside. I mean, that's a huge 5.56 bullet. Exactly. And that's a 4.6. Yeah. That thing, it still, is so fun to shoot. But so so you think so, so was HK just not in a good way by the time this came out, or you think it's like a political thing? Did the ownership just not understand American gun culture? Like, because I mean, he, you bring this gun out in ten years, and it is gonna you can't that's make the, enough of them for the, the commercial most, market. I think in the US. that's the most wanted or asked for, sought out gun in, on the commercial market in the United States. If if I just didn't love killing stuff that, is, and I had all the ammo in the world. Keep your hands off it. <laughs> that I would shoot that gun ninety percent of the time. Oh, it's like shooting a twenty-two, really. So fun. Yeah, so fun. But I think that was a big part of it. I think they were very reluctant to to deal with the political ramifications of introducing this in the U.S. market. Yeah. Again, with armor-piercing ammunition, something the size of that that shot, that shot armor-piercing ammunition. Which is so crazy because they freak out about it now, but about every round we shoot, there's armor-piercing ammo. Of course. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, five, it depends on how you define it, but, you know, we have the penetrator rounds for 5.56, five, or 308, I mean, 338, like every, well, 50 I mean, cal, every round. There's 9 mil that, like, plus P plus that's exactly. ripping through plates. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. Can, anybody that's seen Lethal Weapon knows you can shoot through a <laughs> front end loader and kill somebody. That's right. Nine mil. Got those Teflon coated rounds. <laughs> Woo! Teflon Don. That's what I'm going to name my ammo company Don. right there. Can't Penetrator. Penetrator. Going deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, but I think one thing about that gun to me that's so awesome compact, lightweight, ergonomics are great. 
Yeah, and, and you're right. The ability to actually shoot that thing as a handgun and well, control it. Oh. Well, shoot it as a handgun and carry it in a, as a handgun. Mm. You can't carry any air platform gun and a holster on your hip. Yeah. This is this is not much bigger than a Mark 23 when you think about it. N- no, not at yeah. all. But it gives you so much more capability. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's crazy how sought after it is or how prolific it became because I feel like, and we can get into it, but the the MP5, and I don't know if, this is what made the MP5 so iconic, but you saw the MP5 in every movie and video games. The marketing was crazy for it. Kevin and I kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday. The marketing was insane for it. I don't think the same thing happened with this other than video games. It was in a ton of video games. But the first movie that I saw this gun in was Stealth with Jamie Foxx. Oh, really? The hell's that? It's like you a, don't remember that? It's like a they're pilots, but they're, it's like a space age, like sci-fi. Yeah, um, not a real plane. There's no sci-fi after Star Wars. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you that. What did you guys? Because this is probably even before before your was when you were in the military. But you, you know, when you and I were kids and young adults, and we see Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, whoever it is, sure, um, Rocky Balboa. With they always have MP5s. What, what, did HK in America participate in getting those guns and movies? Did you ever in your tenure at H and K and being president? Did, did you guys work with the studios or never, they, never, never? We never, never really. We had a relationship with a lot of the movie accounts, but we never did product placement in any of those. You movies. didn't actually. A lot of the movies, uh, Predator, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Carl Weathers. He had oh my man. Yeah, that doesn't was, he get his arm like he, he cut off it, yeah. or something while the gun yeah. was still yeah. shooting? <laughs> but that was actually a cut down barrel HK ninety four. Yes. Yeah, you you know I I actually had the opportunity to buy what was the one? It was from a popular movie. It may have been that one or uh, Die Hard, but it was one you can mm. tell it's a ninety four because the barrel's cut. There's no three lug barrel. Correct. So about 25 years ago, all those movies were sold, and Dan Shea got them all. Oh, yeah. And I had yeah. the ability to buy. It's probably that gun mm-hmm. and didn't buy it. Oh, you know you know the one I really regret? The Mac-10 from Pulp Fiction when oh, they're in Bruce oh, Willis's goodness. apartment, and John Travolta goes to the bathroom, yeah. leaves it on the counter, <laughs> he shoots him with it. I had the ability to buy that, and it was like $2,500. Damn. Like, I wouldn't even miss the money, and I didn't buy it. Like, I'm so stupid. Wow. I know. Wouldn't that be a cool gun to oh, own? Oh, my goodness. I would just leave it on the counter in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they, so the, the prop house and all just did it, and you guys never did product placement there. We never did. HK got so much product right. placement. We did. Oh, yeah. my God. Just because we had cool, cool shit. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, a lot of the products did look, for that time, super futuristic, space yeah. age. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Die Hard. You remember Bruce Willis, the MP5 yeah. of Die Hard. Mm. But the bad guy, Hans Gruber, remember the P7? Oh, yeah, we talked about yeah. in the last one. Yeah. He had the nickel-plated one. Yeah. Yeah, the P7. It, you know, the P7, it's one of those weird ones where not until it's dead and gone does that thing get popular. I know. Like, I always popular. loved that gun. It's a cool one. And it's super popular now. People yeah. spent like five grand Oh, goodness. Mm. They don't make them like that anymore. No. Talk about like, a perfect gun to suppress, fixed barrel. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did. We talked about it in the last podcast too. We suppressed some. Mm-hmm. Jim helped. Jim right. Shots helped me out with oh, yeah. that. And I thought that, that I don't know if I ever told this part of the story. 
so whatever Jim told me or someone told me made me think they were going to the Navy. And so we did had to do like a special kind of silencer for him and all. And so the model of the silencer was Navy. <laughs> and years later, I see these in an arsenal at one of those classified groups. And, um, you know, it's in like every locker with every dude's stuff. And it was not the Navy. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the silencers were great. Yeah, that's awesome. They probably hated that. Yeah. So he either uh, threw you a curveball or... They went to them and eventually the Navy? Or? I don't. I think. Or I, the Navy and he then threw eventually me them. A, he threw me a curveball, I yeah. think, or I just was dumb and misunderstood. Um, But good for Jim for keeping a secret. But but maybe they were engraved Navy because just about every gun, for the most part, that we did oh. the threaded barrel on, we called the Navy model. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had those Qualitech half thirty two silencers. So, mm-hmm. were they just the only people using cans at the time? They were very progressive. They were way ahead when we started working with other branches of the military. Um, you know, since the late seventies, the Navy had had silencers on lots of stuff: pistols, sub guns, mm-hmm. machine gun, like a lot of things. And um, you know, the Army groups they had the MP five SD, and they maybe had like silence twenty two pistols mm-hmm. that were from um, uh, Military Armament Corporation or Psionic, yep. so companies from the 70s. They didn't have any. It, they just like didn't believe in it. Man, yeah. it, it is interesting when you start working with the groups. Like I've done very little with the Air Force. I can't speak to that. But Army and Navy a lot. And we didn't really work with the Marine Corps a lot because they didn't have any money. But um, Army and Navy, it is just different mentalities, man. Those... Like Navy's pretty cool and open, and the Army is like, we do things this way, yeah. you know, very, very different. But they were, they had very few. I mean, you know, I'm not that old. When I started working with them doing silencers for them, they had very few silencers. They didn't use them on their sniper rifles. They didn't use them on their assault rifles. They didn't use them on. They had some like the Knights. It's it's the M4QD before the yeah. MT4, but. You know, when they adopted the 416, it wasn't super reliable because that gun is so smooth and it runs fast and it wasn't really set up because it probably wasn't in the original requirement to work with a silencer. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what happened with the 416? That, that is correct, yeah. I mean, obviously, it, it dramatically increases the rate of fire. Yeah. but So did they, to remedy that, did they just blow the gas hole wide open? And, there was a subsequent version of a 416 that actually had a gas regulator valve on it. Mm. Uh, in 2006, mm-hmm. they okay. told me they were they were getting it in the next few months, and it was like 2012, they were still like, we ain't got them yet. <laughs> <laughs> on those guns, the original yeah. 416s. Um, well, to, to speak of, or speak on the different branches being uh, progressive and less progressive, I guess. Um, I think historically we've talked about the Marines not being super progressive, but uh, in the last couple of years, it seems like every everyone, every infantryman in the Marines is, has a silencer on their gun now, and it seems as though they all have M27s. M27s, well. yeah. 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 So, That's become sort of a standard part of that package. To, uh, I think a sling by Blue Force Gear or some one of those companies, and the, but there's a package that's put together and it includes a suppressor for the M27s. Yeah, oh. and the M27 seems to have changed the game in the sense that everybody is carrying the same gun, correct, with a different role, 
Correct. Yeah. Which that that gives you some idea of the capability of that gun. Right. You can use it as a designated marksman's rifle, or you can use it as a squad automatic rifle. Yeah. And was that a like how? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, and I think you were unaware of that they had adopted it. I guess. Um, I think you were, saw the yeah. initial contract. I knew that, but you know, like the military is like it's so common, whether it's the SCAR or whatever it is. They adopt it. Right. They buy fifteen hundred of them, and it just dies on the bottom. Right. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen with the IAR. No, I know mm-hmm. nothing about this. No. What happened? No, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I know a couple guys that are still in. In every photo I see, every dude has the M twenty seven, and all of them have cans, which I think is a new thing. I think the the silencer thing is within the last year or two. Correct. Correct. Um, but it's cool to see that everybody is getting. It's not just for special operations or the tier one guys. It's down to your your legs well did you know this i did yeah yeah do you know how many that they bought how many m27s yeah oh goodness um it's it's well into the thousands okay multiple thousands what what it what is the m27 the m27 is basically a um a, a standard length barrel 416 that has a uh standard buttstock on it um it has uh, comes with a bipod sling, so a few other things that allow you to deploy it in a automatic variant, um, as opposed to just a an infantry rifle. Is it know. open bolt or anything? No, it, it uses the exact same operating so system as a, as a F416. Twenty inch barrel, or do you twenty do you, inch barrel? Correct. Twenty inch barrel. Yeah. Bi- yeah. yeah. And I mean, I you see, that. guys, apparently they're reliable, but a lot of dudes are running drum mags on them for right. that automatic weapon platform drum mags like a what is it is it beta c mag well they were at one i think the final version of it was a mag that um uh what's the company that makes the uh not magpo um john john matthews surefire oh surefire oh Oh, like the quad stack correct that that's um uh uh, Jim Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was one of the original designers on the M16. Yeah, I think that was part of the standard kit really? for the M27. was a high-volume magazine, something bigger than 30 rounds, mm-hmm. because their requirements was to, requirement was to be able to use this gun for a maximum amount of fire, um, you know, uh, a certain rate of fire mm-hmm. based on the, the load that the operator carried. Well, what were the guns that competed with this? Because I seem to remember when this was going on, this was like a belt-fed machine gun thing. Everyone thought, but the requirements allowed H&K to basically use a four sixteen. Oh, my goodness. I, Be- uh, because I can't it, remember the name of the Like program. all the other companies had to yeah. be like open bolt, or it was a, a much, I don't remember. I believe FN had a version of the SCAR that you could switch from open bolt to closed bolt. Oh, cool. Yeah, depending on what role they, if they wanted to use it in a sustained fire role, they could switch it to the open boat mode. So you wouldn't have a, the possibility of a cook off. Yeah. So it cools a lot, a lot more. That's pretty awesome. I, mean, I don't, I don't know anybody else, any other competitors that approached it that way, because you're talking about a very complicated system that, that, that has the ability to do that. Right. Like that three shot burst crap. Ooh. And I wonder, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're able to switch back and forth, but I, I wonder if it would have the same capabilities to where you're getting essentially three rolls out of a single platform um, and you have that interchangeability. And then there's that if I'm watching 16 guys walk down the road, I can't differentiate who's. That was a big part of it right there. You just yeah. hit the nail on the head. 
Yeah. Like, you can't differentiate. The machine gunners and right. the snipers. That's the first guys that. they're taking out is the guy with the heavy volume of fire. Mm-hmm. And if you can't tell, then everybody's on equal footing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. What makes that gun so good? Is it the tolerances? Is it just that typical German tolerance, attention to detail? Like, why is that gun so good? All of those things. I mean, our barrel making uh, technology. Uh, What's so good about the barrels? Well, there's not a lot of guys that produce a barrel barrels the same way that Germany produces them. You've been in the factory, mm-hmm. but the forging machines, the, the type of steel they use is uh, the Oberduval French steel. Uh, it's just a combination of that, that recipe is hard to duplicate. And when you have that end product on the field and you're evaluating against Colt's barrels, FN's barrels, SIG's barrels, the customer will always say, there's something about that special sauce that you guys put in your barrels that gives us exactly what we want in terms of sustained fire, accuracy, or combination thereof. That's hard yeah. to beat. Well, yeah, HK's well, got a reputation for a reason. The other thing that we touched on a little bit before was that the piston and the 416 and I'm sure the 417 as well it's like when I saw the 516 come out at SIG I was like oh they just copied the 416 but it's not that piston is allegedly a direct rip off of the LWRC which is a different piston so is there something specific about that piston system that is as reliable as it is because I've heard of some reliability issues with the LWRC piston um and you don't see that with the H and K. Uh, it, it, much of it depended on the barrel length of the four sixteen. Some mm-hmm. of the earlier four sixteens um, used a bleed off valve in the front of the gas block uh, to regulate overpressure rounds. Um, but then some of the, the the shorter barrel guns did not have the gas block because you needed every bit of that gas to operate the system. Yeah. Um, but I mean, aside from that. Yeah. It w- basically, if you take a G36 operating system and you put it in an AR platform, that's what the 416 became. Okay. Yeah, I would think it's probably, you know, not to diss LWRC, and right. I don't really know a ton about them. Um, stuff seems nice, but just that HK attention to detail and quality control and tolerances of every component. So it's not necessarily, to me, just the piston system. Like, right. what are you doing with the receiver? What The barrel port. Like, what's the tolerance of the barrel port? There's so, so many things that go into it. And, you know, now as we make a lot of guns, like, we see it all the time. Like, we can have a, we, you know, you make a change to one part in, in our guns, and we'll have problems that pop up we've never seen before. And that's why you got to test. So that's also something I think HK's always been great at is testing. Correct. Like holding the tolerances putting thought into it, whether it's the materials for the barrel, the process for doing it, how you poured them, but then also doing the testing. And a lot of the companies, I think in America, there's a lot of commercial companies because, you know, we have such a large commercial market in America where Germany or any other country in the world does not have the commercial market that they have for the military. You know, like HK, like if you ask all the German HK employees, at least in my experience with them is, they don't give a shit about the rest of the world. They wanted to make the guns for Germany, just like Kalashnikov wanted to make the AK for like Russia. Right. He didn't Correct. fucking like other companies using that gun. Right. And I think that's sort of the nationalism of the German. And I'm not saying it's wrong. No. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. but you know, in America, we just always had such, and, and now more than ever, this great like civilian gun culture that you get all these companies. And I think the average guy that's not worked at a gun company 
you know, like me and Wayne, or, or I mean, even you, Young Life, you see what goes on at our company, and you've worked at SIG, you know, compared to other commercial companies. Um, man, like, none of that shit's free. Like, doing all those drop no. tests, doing all the torture tests. I mean, you see those nerds at work building yeah. all those machines to where they'll cycle a million rounds to the trigger before we ship one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and stuff like that. Like, Drew drop tested that trigger for like 18 months. Yeah. And, you know, even Daniel Defense, who d- gets military contracts for rails and shit, like they don't do stuff like that. Um, you know, and I don't know if LWRC does, but like I doubt it. I mean, most commercial companies, you don't understand it until, yeah, I think Ethan and I were very fortunate, young, young in our careers to just be exposed to those guys. And we had no idea what we were doing mm-hmm. when we started working with a lot of the tier one groups. And they bring you there and they're cool with you and they see your potential. And it's like the maturity of those groups. And then they break all your shit in front of you. Yeah. And they're like, hey, don't take this the wrong way, but we think you could do this, but you need to go back and fix these things. Right. And then you start learning because that embarrassment for me, like having pride, you go there and you get slapped on the pee-pee. You know, they just like this thing you're all proud of and they like destroy it in front of you. And they're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Could, could you could you fix it? Yeah. It's like, oh, so you don't ever want to be in that situation again. And, you know, I don't know if that's just like a German mentality or a culture or it's probably what happened to them early on. Um, so you start thinking about all these things before you oh, introduce the product. That's amazing feedback when you have a guy oh, that's best. on the front line. Because there have been many conversations where me or Jim would have a conversation with the Germans about a, a, a customer, whether it's special forces or border patrol. And say, hey, they broke this. Can you tell me why this broke? Oh, they're just abusing it. But then when they're standing in front of the guy and they're showing him the lug that ripped off of the bottom of a P2000 barrel and the German engineer's like, I've never seen this before. You know, well, it's right yeah. in front of you. I didn't make that up. Yeah. But, but but one of the things a lot of people don't realize about HK Germany, and, and I don't know if this is still the case, but for many years, I want to say the number was maybe about 30, somewhere between 30 and 40% of their staff in Germany was dedicated to R&D. Holy oh, wow. shit. Yeah. What other company can, can claim that? Q. Yeah, Q. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean that is something. But you know, you know what that shows, too, is um, you can't ever. Well, and the Germans are so kind of black and white in my experience in dealing mm-hmm. with them. You know, it's like, hey, you, what's the requirement say? Exactly. And they'll build to that. But. With with those requirements, it's like, well, if you build the gun for the German Army or for U.S. SOCOM and you have this requirement, that's what they're going to test to. So then you sell it to Border Patrol and they're doing something different or using different ammo. You know, the, those Germans, they've probably never done that because you can't run all the tests that everybody in the world is going to ever do. It's impossible. Like you just talked about the trigger, like our AR trigger, Honey Badger trigger. We just did. And we spent... And it's probably been more than two years at this point, but the drop test probably was 18 months total. All these configurations, all these different things, all these versions of it when we'd have an issue to fix it, to fix it, to fix it. And it probably at six months, every other AR trigger we had would fail the drop test. And we kept going, kept going, kept going, because by then we had an opportunity with the European military and government who were selling the trigger to. They were the first ones that bought the tr- the very first triggers that we did went to uh, European government. Wow. 
and and but you know we're doing the NATO test, yeah. we're doing the U.S. test, and everything. When we'd have a problem, we just keep going, keep going. And and to me, you know, that's inspiring for me from working with Tier One groups and for you know understanding like H and K and those crazy Germans, and that's what they do. But one of the greatest things that many customers started doing on the U.S. side in terms of putting a solicitation out there is establishing a threshold requirement and an objective requirement mm-hmm. in the same bid. That kind of set the the mediocre guys apart from yeah. the, the, the better guys. Yeah, I know in the original Honey Badger deal, you know, we were sole source, and then when I was fired, all that changed. But they had... We did the gun. They sole sourced it. I was fired. They waited for me to go back to work. Didn't really happen. They developed the ammo. They run then an open solicitation because they didn't, I don't, in my opinion, they didn't have the faith in Remington. Twelve companies submitted guns. This is like three years later. And it goes down to a down select, and it's the honey badger that Ethan and Eric Burt and I did, and the MCX, and Ethan and I are at, hmm. at, uh, you know, at SIG yeah, at the yeah. time. It's funny when that contract was announced, you know, Ethan and I left work at lunch. Like we figured it out and we go to lunch. We're having beers, like getting drunk. And it's like, I, we don't know if we're happy or sad. Yeah. Like, it's like, which one of your kids do you want to win? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know which one's the most like me, but you know, I mean, that goes to show you working with those groups and everybody yeah. else, you know, at the, 11th hour trying to do a gun and we're talking about real companies sure lwrc beretta you know like real companies um lmt like submitted guns to this contract and still didn't beat the honey badger that we did four years before right um yeah that's wow that's interesting well we touched on the we touched on it last podcast but the 416 was such a success and the 417 hey killed bin laden it did appreciate you wayne um the 417 didn't no so i think now you see the g28 is fairly prominent uh with some units but do you know what happened with the 417 like why do you think that it wasn't as um loved i guess or accepted as the 416 so the 417 the 308 larger version of the 416 thing Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah But it took a whole nother. The G twenty eight I heard you mention was was very different mm. than the four seventeen. That was a German program. It was a highly accurized four seventeen, if you will. Okay. I mean, really, the only difference uh, or com- um, Some commonality mm-hmm. between four seventeen and G twenty eight was the caliber. Really, almost everything else was was Did different. The upper receiver was steel or titanium or something, wasn't it? It was a steel upper receiver. Um, it had the um, you know the the pins that you had to, the pressure pins where you had to push on the opposite side, like an MR556 on the MR762. Okay, yeah. You, you couldn't just push the pins out. You needed a, 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 a pin or a device to push in. So basically, they press together and create Correct. interference so the upper and lower aren't wobbly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's a cool idea. That is cool. But the G28 was an incredibly accurate platform. Okay. I, uh, and, and I don't know if I told you the story. Jason Kuhn and I happened to be in Germany shooting the G28 at our uh, 600 meter range, mm-hmm. and I shot a four shot group at 600 meters that was less than half of an inch with a G28 at 600 meters. That's insane. 
I do. That it was all the that time, was the exception. Wayne. I don't know what. <laughs> no, that's incredible. Yeah. That's crazy. I've I've never seen the gun. I don't know that I could duplicate that. You I don't know, know that anybody, anybody could. Yeah, especially with a semi-auto gun to the platform as well. Exactly. Like, all the moving parts. Sure. Insane. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that about the G twenty. I figured it's it was a just a package piston gun. It's a piston gun. It's almost almost the same operating system as a four seventeen. Now it had a lot of fancy stuff on it. Again, you mentioned the steel receiver. It had a very high end Schmidt and Bender optic. Um, but optic, it was amazing. Optic. Yeah. That gun shooting that. <laughs> it is. I think you get the gold medal. I don't think anybody's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I shot it at at the range there in Obendorf too, but I did not shoot. Uh, I shot three hundred meters, and I did not shoot a half inch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nice gun, but big and heavy extremely heavy mm. yeah. yeah which again added to the accuracy to some extent but but you know it, it's I, I don't know what the german requirement was but i'm sure knowing h and k it was exactly to the german exactly. requirement yeah but i mean when you think about heavy the mo- the heaviest most accurate sniper rifles at hk look at the psg psg one right that's there's nothing light about that coolest gun yeah. no that is so cool that's such a cool was it the sl9 before the psg one are they similar? The SL9 came out after the uh, PSG one. Is the that SL the thumbhole stock? Exactly. Thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. The SL, which was a version of the SL7, which was the 7.62. Thomas, we need to post a picture of this right now, like the that yeah. series of guns. That was the roller delayed blowback oh, yeah. guns. Oh, it came with a tripod. It's yeah. a little bitty tripod for the PSG one. It yeah. wasn't even a bipod. A very expensive tripod. Oh, yeah. Such a cool yeah. gun. Yeah, still said it in the last podcast. I kicked myself. Like I could have afforded it then, but it was a lot of money. I was like, I lived in an eighty thousand dollar house. It's like ten thousand dollars for a gun. It ain't even a machine gun. <laughs> oh, I should have bought one. Oh, the whole setup. Were those? But it was cool. Were yeah. those widely used? Because I, I feel like PSG ones. Yeah. No, no. no. That, I mean, that was. I don't know if you guys know the origin, but that was designed mm-hmm. right after the '72 Munich Olympics when there was a hostage situation. Yeah. Oh yeah, the famous posters you guys. Right. Exactly. HK does marketing right. Yeah. Well, I don't know about now. They might suck now, but man, when you were there and before you, like they were using these. Hey, yeah. we shoot terrorists in the face with an MP5, yeah. even if we got to rappel down a building and crack a window. Well, that's just it with the PSG one. Whew. They don't just shoot terrorists in the face they shot him in the face twice that's, <laughs> that's why that was semi-auto. the purpose of the semi-auto okay a heavy semi-auto where you could mit- mitigate the recoil yeah, with a 308 no recoil exactly yeah. yeah i mean i'm with you if i mean i talk about lightweight and all the time but it's just like it's what i'm into because it's what i do and you know it's like we can't do everything like maybe in 40 years it'd be like h and k but like right now <laughs> we just can't do everything so what am I into? But yeah, if I'm going to be laying on top of a building, shooting someone through like 300 meters, I want a 50 pound gun. Like I'll carry it up there and set yeah. it down and it's fine. I don't want any recoil. Yeah. You don't have to oh. run anywhere when you're no. in a stable, a fixed uh-uh. position. Uh-uh. Doesn't matter how much the gun weighs. Oh, that gun was so cool. Jay, we should get one. Agreed. Hey, so anybody watching or any shop, Jay wants to get one. So like, <laughs> we'll, we'll trade you. If you got one, you ain't using it. Let's get one. We'll trade you. We got honey badgers. We got the fit. We got eight six. We can yeah. hook you up with the customer build. We can do some stuff. We need a PSG one. Yeah, so that's the one we want. That's the one. Yeah, cool guy. It uses G three mags. It does. <sighs> I got tons of them. <laughs> We're good. Um, that's another cool gun. G three. 
G3s. G3s. We talked about it last time too. Yeah. Like that's my 22 conversion kit right there. Yeah. Oh, and actually, it's in my gun. That's why I've got the the bolt carrier yeah. and the flash mm-hmm. hider there because I have a little silencer on it for yeah. 22 block. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh hey, we talked about the um the bolts and all last time. So this is a roller delayed bolt. That's the one off that. So that's for a 308. Correct. And then we talked about this, but I didn't have it. So the P9S. Oh. The pistol. The nine millimeter, yeah, um, yeah. Let me hold this for the camera if you don't mind. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, three hundred eight. This is for the the P nine S pistol. That's a the nine millimeter pistol, roller delayed blowback, and that's what made that a great gun here yeah. for silencers because it's not just blowbacks. So you don't get like all this sound out of the breech and it blows your eardrums out. It's 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 locked. So that's cool. That gun is so complicated. Was it the P9S that you were talking about when you replaced the rollers that you had to like fit specific rollers? Like they were. Well, the MP5, I don't even know if they have them for this because this gun wasn't in service. When I went through the armors course in the 90s, that gun was no longer in service. Yeah. And this was for a basically not not even a a Browning operated system or modified Browning operated. It was a a nine millimeter pistol. Yeah. So there was really no headspace issue per se. The headspace yeah. is how you adjust it. The rollers, the different size rollers, is how you adjust oh, the headspace. Oh, okay. Look at this new in the bag from H and K. So this is. Uh, oh no, this must be my broken one. Must be why I have this. So that P nine S, the front oh, of this yeah. is all plastic, trigger Correct. guard and a grip. So oh, see, yeah. see where that's yeah. broken. Yep. yep. So I guess I got another one for one of mine that was broken. But yeah, the screws are in here and everything. It's like how you. Oh man, I have all this great old H and K stuff that probably only. Me and you care about. <laughs> um, you got the the bucket of fun over there. I do. I do. I have all this. Oh, look. This is for. Uh, that's for a P7. Um, comes with a target. Let's see how good these things shot. The P7, the squeeze cock. Yes, yep. sir. So it comes with a target, mags, your chamber brush, all this. Jay, I don't have my glasses, and I don't know if Wayne does. You might have to read this for us. All right. All right, so here's a target that came with one. Was it was oh, it, was huh? it was the test fire a guy named Pixa? I don't know. Yeah. Look at it. Tell us. Tell us what this is. No, this wasn't him. What year is that? Uh, to say, 1983. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. 1983. And so in here, look at this. You got how far do they? How far was the... That's probably a 50-meter target. That, usually uh, 25 meters, they shot pistol. Oh, yeah. 25. Chamber brush. Damn. Magazine. Magazines. Yeah, yeah, 25 meters. Yeah. We do not recommend using less than 100-grain ammunition in this weapon. Correct. Oh, so you knew this. Oh, oh, yeah. Wayne Weber knows everything about HK. Oh, look at this. Oh, so this is probably who I bought this from, or whoever I bought this from <laughs> bought this from. Let me see this. Jay, this will probably make you cry. Probably. Um, so yeah, okay. $48. Customer order number. Uh, date. January 30th, 1984. Henry Morgan wow. bought this for $434. And his shipping, he had to pay $3.50. So my man paid four hundred thirty-seven fifty, and he paid cash. I can't even get a Glock Volmer and Company in uh, Illinois. Wow. That's insane. A Glock is literally more money than that. Yeah, so think about how dumb you feel. <laughs> I don't know. This is like I have all this cool old H and case. Oh, I should send in this warranty card and see what they do. Look at this. Look at this. 
warranty card and it's all handwritten <laughs> and stamped. So it's like handwritten over here. Oh, I got a five year warranty. I hadn't filled it out yet, so I'm gonna assume it starts now. Yeah, yeah. So model uh P seven and it's handwritten oh, it's it's so funny. Oh, HK got cocky. Right here it says limited warranty and it says twelve months. So some little German scratched that out with a pen, said five, five years. years. <laughs> and uh serial number on here. It's a four digit nope, five digit serial number. Oh man, cool stuff! You got cool a couple stuff. of those. I, I do have a few. Do you have the uh, the gas uh, cylinder brush in there? Oh, uh, cleaning tool. There you go. No, no, no. That's not it. And this there isn't it. There's it used to be a flat tool. That oh wait, yeah, I got that. I there got you that. go. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Yeah. Uh, of course he's got that. Yeah, right here. Oh, look at me! Look at me! Um. So this is oh this is a much later one. This one's probably yeah. oh, let me put that back. This this one probably came from like uh eighty seven or so, we'll see. Oh, oh I still had that sticker in here. Yeah. Wow. Clean brush for gas piston. Wow. Everybody thinks they do a German accent when they say some no, German shit. No, that one doesn't have it. That's that is well, that that's got to be for the piston. No, well, that, that, that is, is that is. But they changed to a tool. It wasn't a brush. What? What is this? That is, is actually this? to remove the the firing pin from the back of the slide. Oh fuck! This is from a for a P seven PSP. That's what? not the M eight or the M thirteen. Oh yeah, you're right. Yes, PSP, which is the one I like. Correct. Probably even shoots better. That's I what I have. I have a PSP. Too. I like that better because it's slimmer. It doesn't have yeah, that mag this release. Stupid mag release is yeah. not the Americans. We blew that. That's <laughs> dumb. I don't like that mag release. All right, Jay. Let's see this target real quick. And we'll move on. Twenty five meters. It's 25 meter target. That makes sense. I just assume with that group. Yeah. Oh, this is older because it says uh, Hecorn Coke firearms and Benelli shotguns. Well, yeah. Oh. I, I can. Th- yeah, this one's very old. Let's see here. 25 meters. And this one was shot by uh, Her- Herman. Herman. Yeah, yep. Herman again. Okay. So this was in uh, January 22nd, 1982. Probably not the best group. I think my man was probably cold. Not the not the worst. Wait, is that a three shot group? Nah, I see four. That's, no, that's five. five. Oh, okay. There's two in oh, yeah, I couldn't huh? see from here. Yeah, what year was that? Oh, uh, eighty two, January. Okay. He, he, I bet he got cocky if these were the first two shots. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ooh, I'm buying this one. Uh, and they know. didn't exactly use match ammunition either. No, they're yeah. probably using military ammo that yeah. they get. Um, oh, I still love this gun so much. Apparently, everybody else is catching on since they're going for ridiculous money. Oh, yeah. Now, um, all of the M8s and M13s came with that tool. It's a reaming tool. I must have yeah. one somewhere. They're probably in the plastic cases of the newer guns I bought. Um, it was in the plastic cases. There was a slot in there for that tool. So this is for the MP5. Correct. Good. So you get that. Oh, feels so good on the shoulder. Nothing to it. Nine millimeter. And then this crazy shit is for 308. (laughs) You can tell because the spring's on here in these two holes. So it takes all this to hold that shit on. But this, this compared to this for 9 mil. Yeah. Like, what the hell were they thinking? (laughs) Like, I'm not shooting that in 308. Whew. It's amazing. Those stock arms are insane. Oh, beefy. Yeah. It goes right to your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, you're not shooting that without a bruise. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Some bullshit. 
that's one thing H and K. I'm not sure they got right, but I still think that's probably for like mortaring or something, like having a <laughs> grenade launcher on there, and you got to like put it on the ground and I don't know. Do, do you have an MGL? We need one of those. What's that? The better Mark 19, right? Isn't it? GMG. GMG is what I said. I'm thinking of MGL. <laughs> MGL is different. No, I, I do not have that. I don't. I don't really know anyone that has that other than there. There okay. are a few that were purchased um, by Class Three dealers uh, with their license that did oh. not. Probably maybe about five total mm-hmm. that are not in governments I must or law got, enforcement. I must have got duped then because the one I bought on eBay was called the MGL. <laughs> <laughs> And we, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I don't think you could touch one of those for less than 250, 300K. Don't need one. Don't not need one, though. Don't want to afford one. Yeah. That's plane either. money. You just bought a plane. You already got one of those. So now it's time for a, <laughs> a grenade, grenade launcher to go on it. <laughs> yeah. Nah. But nah. if you need to shoot another plane down yeah, from your that's plane, true. that's true. Better be going fast. Yeah.